0: Hey, and welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor, and I'm glad you're here. Parkview is a church where anybody, regardless of their past or their story, can take a step toward God. That means whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're just learning about Jesus for the first time, you have a step to take and we want to help you with that. One step I'd encourage you to take is to get connected to some other people who are reading the Bible together, praying for each other, and just talking about life each and every week. At Parkview, we call those groups, well, we call them small groups because we're really creative with our names for things. And the cool thing is that we have small groups meeting online throughout the week with people who live and work all over the globe. So what I'm saying is, you don't have an excuse not to try out a small group. To find out more info about how to join a group, go to parkviewchurch.com slash groups. And before we get started, don't forget, if you haven't already, to join the Parkview Online Campus Facebook group. It's a really easy way for you to get to know us and to connect with our online community. Just just go to Facebook, search for Parkview Christian Online Campus, and it will take you right there. Today, Pastor Todd will continue our teaching series, Wish You Were Here, and then I'll be back at the end to close us out. Enjoy the service.
1: How are we doing? Good to see you, friends. Good to see you, Parkview. Uh, welcome to everybody uh, this weekend all around Chicagoland, all the campuses, everybody out at Homer Glen, Hello to you, Homer Glenn. Everybody at uh, New Linux. I uh, hope you're behaving, those of you out at uh, New Linux. Always have to say that, need to say that. Uh, everybody around Orland Park, good to see you guys. Everybody online this weekend. Uh, so glad you are joining us as well. We are this weekend wrapping up. Uh, The series uh, called Wish You Were Here. And it's been a great uh, series the last few weeks. And today we're going to uh, have an incredible study uh, together. And if you haven't been here by chance the last uh, few weeks, here's just a short little recap kind of on where we've been. The big idea that we've been thinking about is this, moving from where you are to where you want to be. Pretty simple, right? How do you give from where you are in life, family, career, kids, marriage, to where you want to be. And we've not just been talking about uh, where you want to be, but we've also been talking in this series and studying the Bible about where God wants us to be. And uh, God has great plans and great purposes for our lives. That's what we've been discovering. And whether you come to church a lot or whether you come to church just a little bit, God has great plans for you. And so we're trying to discover those and where he wants us to To be. The verse that we've been kind of bouncing off of the last uh, few weeks is this verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. I pray that you may be able to discern what is best. Everybody say best. What is best? Notice it doesn't say that you may be able to discern what is easiest. Uh, A lot of times that's what we want to do and default to, or not what is quickest. It doesn't say that you would be able to discern, you know, what makes the most sense. This will make the most sense, and then you'll just do this, because a lot of times, what makes the most sense isn't always the best, amen? And so we, we want to see what's the best for our lives, for our kids, for our career, for our families. And my guess is this, that a lot, of us have, a lot of us have been told what we need to do in order to get from where we are to where we really want to be, whether that's financially, Whether that's with your friendships, whether that's, you know, the way you parent, maybe some of your habits, maybe some of your uh, addictions, your health, whatever it is, somebody in your life has probably said something to you like, hey, hey, honey, 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 honey. Husband, wife, friend, son, daughter, grandparent. If you want to get from where you are to where you want to be, there's probably some things you need to start doing, and that'll help you get there. Or maybe there's some things you need to stop doing so you can move from where you are to where you want to be. Somebody has looked at you probably and said, look, I know in 2021, you've been talking about it, you want to get more fit, right? You want to have better health. And so here's what you would need to do to have better health. Pastor Tim's been talking about having big, you know, muscles, having big biceps. There's a way to do that. There there, there are exercises, right, for that. Maybe you've been talking about getting fit spiritually and going deeper with God. And maybe here's some things you should stop doing and some, some things you should start doing. And maybe you've been talking about getting through high school or getting through grad school. Maybe you've been talking about getting financial freedom or getting out of debt. Or maybe you want to get married in 2021 or, or just you're thinking about getting engaged. Or maybe you're thinking, Todd, I would just be happy having a boyfriend or a girlfriend in 2021 Here, here's how you could do that there are people in our lives who say here's what you then need to do and that's great right that's great but here's the deal a lot of times for you and for me we don't like to be told what to do right that's and what we do is when these people give us this good advice we look at them and we say thank you. "Hey, hey hey thank you so much that is so kind of you Thank you so much for that advice. And then we immediately turn around and continue to seek the advice that aligns with the advice we're seeking. Right? And a lot of times we'll even do this. We'll go to God and we'll pray. We'll say, God, I don't know why you're being so slow on this. Would you just please, please, please show me what to do to get to where I need to be. And I think a lot of times God looks down at us in our lives and says, guess what? I've been telling you. I've been telling you through your friends, through your parents, through your coworkers, through your boss, through your barista, basically everyone is telling you and giving you the advice. But guess what? You're not listening. You're not listening, so you're probably not going to end up where you want to end up. And a lot of times that's what happens in our lives. How do we get to where we want to be and where God wants us to be? That's what we want to study today. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 12. If you have a smartphone or you have a tablet, whatever it is, Old Testament of the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 12, that's where we're going to be all all during our study today. We're just going to step through... Some of the verses in 1 Kings chapter 12. We're just going to do a straight up Bible study for the next 15 or so minutes, 20 minutes, and then I'm going to have two big life applications for us at the end of stepping through 1 Kings chapter 12. So that's where we're headed. Now, while you're finding First Kings chapter 12, because it's not some place we usually are, we're also going to have it up on the screen as well if you, if you don't uh, have anything to look it up on uh, today. Uh, just, a, just a quick overview of where we are in the Bible. When God established the nation of Israel, who we're going to be studying some, he established them as a theocracy, meaning that God would be their king up in heaven, right? He'd, he'd be their king, he'd be their God, but he would give them these laws to live by, that then would be established by judges. So maybe that sounds a little bit familiar. That's kind of several thousand years later, we're thinking that sounds pretty good. We have laws that are upheld by judges. That sounds like a good idea, that was actually God's idea. I'll be your God, I'll be your king... But I'm going to give you these laws, and they're going to be carried out and applied by all of these judges. And so that's the way he set up Israel as a theocracy. But then what happened is the people of Israel, even though they had this great, incredible, noble, perfect, just God, they started looking around at all the other people, and they started to say to themselves out loud, they have a, they have a king. We want a king. I mean, we, we have a king in heaven, but we want like someone with flesh on. We, we want a king like they have a king can we please have a king? Everyone else has one. They have an iPhone. I want an iPhone, right? That kind of thing. And and so they kind of just keep begging, begging God. And so God says, okay, and he gives them an earthly flesh and blood king. And here's what it looks like. They have Saul as the very first king of these Israelite people. For about 40 years. After him is David. We've studied a lot about David the last few years. You probably know something about David and his life for about 40 years. After him, his son Solomon comes as the king, the earthly king for God's people for like the next 40 years or so. And then after Solomon, you have Rehoboam. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. And the study that we're going to do today for the next little bit takes place right here. In the transition period between Solomon and Rehoboam. That, that's where our study today takes place. The power exchange between those two people. Now, to make sure we're all on the same page here, I want everybody to say Rehoboam. On the count of three, say Rehoboam with me. One, two, three. Rehoboam. And Re like reign, like he's going to be the king. Rehoboam. And the reason I want you to know that is because there's another Boam in the same story. Okay? And it can be a little confusing. I probably will mix them up. Okay? Just telling you. There's another Boem. His name's Jeroboam. Jeroboam is another guy in this story we're gonna study. Jeroboam isn't really related to anybody in the story that I can tell, but he's a really, really gifted leader. And what happens is, as he rises through the ranks with Solomon, he puts Jeroboam basically in charge of all of his workforce and all of his construction. If you know much about Solomon, he was constantly into constructing things. He built temples, he built palaces, Solomon built entire cities that you can still visit to this day. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the things that Solomon did. And history tells us that he had about 150,000 people working for him. And Jeroboam was over basically all of these people, okay? That's Jeroboam. And what happens in the story is everything's going along just fine. Things are getting constructed. People have been put into basically forced labor, not just free labor, but forced labor. Jeroboam is taking care of all of these people. And then one day, this rumor starts circulating that Jeroboam, not Rehoboam, Solomon's son, Jeroboam wants to be king, which is not a good rumor. He realizes this is not good. And so he takes off to Egypt and hides out because he knows he will probably be killed if people find out that rumor that he wants to be king, even if it's just a rumor. So, you with me? Any questions? You're like, yeah, I'll get out. I have like 12. Okay, but we'll, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. We'll get there, okay? okay. With that backdrop... That's where we're going to jump into the story, okay? Solomon has died. His son Rehoboam is going to be the next king. And we're going to learn some important things from his life. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1. In your Bible, smartphone, we'll put it up here on the screen as well. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. So pause right there and realize the setting for this story. It's basically the inauguration of Rehoboam. Very similar to what we have been experiencing this last week in our lives, an inauguration. And just like in our world, the last few weeks, we're going to see in this story, emotions are high. There's a new leader, a new king coming in. There's an inauguration, and and people are a little bit tense and on edge. Everybody goes to Shechem because that's the old capital area. It's a very sacred place, and the assumption is, again, that Rehoboam is going to be their new leader. Verse 2. When Jeroboam, son of Nabat, heard this, by the way, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from Solomon. Remember that? He took off because of the rumor. He returned to Egypt. So Jeroboam was like, hey, I, could, I can probably go back. I mean, ding dong, the wicked king is dead. Solomon's gone. I'm gonna go back because he's, we're gonna have an inauguration. I definitely don't want to miss this moment. So he comes back, okay? When Jerob, uh so he comes back. Verse three, so they sent for Jeroboam And he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam, the guy who was going to be king, and they said to him, so picture this, everybody's standing around. It's the inauguration. Everybody comes to him and they say this, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. In other words, all the people say, listen, listen, listen. Rehoboam, we're good with you becoming our leader. We're good with you becoming king. Sounds good to us. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's just our one request. Don't rule us like your dad did. Don't rule us like your dad did. He drove us into the ground. We were constantly building things. He kept raising the taxes. All of all kinds of us were moved from free labor to forced labor. During this time all the cities he was building, by the way, here's something about Solomon that's kind of interesting. We're studying in 1 Kings chapter 12. If you just go over to 1 Kings chapter 11, one chapter back, it starts talking about Solomon and his life and all of his wives. Solomon had lots of wives. Okay? And when I say lots, like hundreds, hundreds of wives. And when you have hundreds of wives, they can't all live in the same home. Right? Makes sense? And so what Solomon was doing, part of this construction, is he was not only building separate homes for all of his wives, but he would build his wives cities, a whole city for a wife that they could kind of rule over and that sort of thing. So that's what's going on. And there's all kinds of tension in this. And so the people say, hey, look, Rehoboam, just don't rule us like your dad did, and we will serve you. All 12 tribes will serve you willingly. And then what happens is Rehoboam makes two really good decisions. Verse 5, Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. So the first good decision he makes is, hey, I need to get some time to think. Go away from me for a few days you. if you have a big decision to make in 2021, it's always a good idea to get some space, to take some time. It's amazing what one night or two nights rest can do to your perspective when you're trying to make a big decision in your life. So that's the first good decision. He says, get away for a little bit. I need some time to think. The second good decision he makes is he says, I need to get some advice. I need to get away and I need to get some advice. Verse 6. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served with his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. So he basically goes to these people who had served with his dad in the previous administration. Back when his dad had lost his way, had lost track of the heart of the people. These were wise advisors who knew what was going on, and he basically says, okay, what should I do? What should I do? Verse 7, they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So they say, Rehoboam, here's what you do. If you want to get from where you are to where you want to be, which is the king of a united kingdom, here's what you do. Put their interests ahead of your own interests. Decide you're going to serve them. You're going to be honest with them. You're going to be fair with them. And if you do that, They will serve you. You will be the king of the United Kingdom. And what every leader wants is that smooth transition of power, right? You'll have it. For many of you who know the story, you know, though, what happens. You know what Rehoboam does. This is where things kind of go off the rails. Take a look at this in verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him. He rejected the advice. This is exactly what he needed to hear, but it's not what he wanted to do. <laughs> you ever been there? I know that's what I need to hear. That's probably true. That's probably really good advice, but I'm not doing it. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what he does. He's like, listen, listen, listen. kings don't take advice. Kings give advice. That's what kings do. And they do what they want to do. I love how Pastor Andy Stanley says this. We'll put this up on the screen. Andy Stanley says, we usually end up where we don't want to be when we do exactly what we want to do. Isn't that powerful? We usually end up where we don't want to be when we do exactly just what we want to do. And for so many of us, myself included, as I meditate on this section of Scripture and this teaching, I think this is the reason a lot of times... We get so much debt in our lives because we just, we just buy what we want to buy and say, I'm just going to buy it. And so we end up having a lot of debt in our lives. It's, it's the reason a lot of times our marriages get out of whack is because we just say what we want to say. It's the reason a lot of times our relationships and our friendships crash and burn because we just say what we want to say. And the truth is, a lot of times, this this isn't always. I know that there are certain circumstances where this isn't the case. But a lot of times, this is why our health and our fitness get all messed up because we say, listen, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. And if I don't want to exercise, I'm not going to exercise. And I usually don't want to exercise. And I usually eat what I'm going to eat. And and so so we kind of get in a place where we don't want to be. This is what happens with Rehoboam. It happens with us in our life. It happens with Rehoboam. He rejects the advice that these elders give him. And then he does something. I don't know if you've done this before, but I have definitely done this (laughs) too many times in my life. Look at what he does. Verse 8 again. But Rehoboam had rejected the vice the elders gave him, and then look what happened. He consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. I, I know what those guys say. I know what those guys say. But what, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? You're with me, right? We're, we're in this together, right? These are the people who were getting a paycheck. Okay? Well, listen, part you. When you only hear from people who are getting a paycheck, you are going to hear exactly what you want to hear. It's just the way it goes. I love the way Pastor Andy Stanley talks about this when he's, when he's talking about this section of Scripture. He, he says a while back at his church, he was talking with a guy who was getting ready to be the CEO of a company that he had been at for quite a while. He'd been working at for years. And, and that week when he was getting ready to become CEO, the current CEO pulled him aside And he just shared a few things with him. And one of the things he shared with him was this. He said, Frank, I just want you to know that your jokes are getting ready to get a lot funnier. And I'm telling you that, Frank, because your jokes aren't really that funny. But as you become CEO of this company, as you start telling these jokes, everybody who gets a paycheck from you is going to start laughing at your jokes. And you're going to think you're really funny. But you're not that funny. They're just getting a paycheck. This is what's going on with Rehoboam. They're all getting a paycheck. They're no smarter than he is. They're no older than he is. They haven't been ahead. They haven't been a part of a united kingdom in that. But here's what he does in verse 9. Check this out in verse 9. He asked them, hey, hey, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, Lighten the yoke your father put on us. Check this out. Check this out. Look at this, park you. How, how, how should we? Isn't that sneaky? We're in this together, fellas. We're, gonna, we're all gonna rule. You're, you're like part of my cabinet. We're gonna be like co kings. How, how, how should we do this? Here's what they say. Verse 10 The young men who had grown up with him replied. These people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them. Here's what you tell them. Those people who are saying all those things. Now tell them. Look at this next slide. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Mm. You ever use that one? My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid a heavy yoke, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. In translation, basically what he's happening here is Solomon, his father was a really big guy. He was heavy, he was a little bit overweight, but here's what we know from history. Being big, being overweight in in ancient times was actually a sign of power. It was a sign of strength. You were rich, you had enough food to eat, so you were big, you were thick. Those of you who have been on mission trips with Parkview to different parts of the world, maybe you have experienced food scarcity, people who don't have enough food to eat. I want you to know in ancient, ancient times, people all the time didn't have enough to eat. That was a common thing for people around then. And so what's going on here is that, that he's saying, look, my father, he, he's, he's big, but that's because he's powerful, and he's, he's, he's got all that he needs. He's wealthy. And so the younger friend's advice to Rehoboam is this. Hey, tell him this. Say to them, you remember how fat my dad was? You remember how big he was? My little finger is bigger than my whole dad. You think he was heavy? I'm getting, to, I'm getting really ready to be a heavyweight on you. I'm really getting ready to put the pressure on you. This this is unbelievable. Are you following me here? This is the brilliant advice of his friends. And so look at what happens. Verse 12, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam as they had said. Hey, come back in three days. Remember that? And the king, here's what he says. Here's what Rehoboam says. He answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by the elders. And he followed the advice of the young men and said, my father... Made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. He basically says, listen, 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 I'm the king, I'm going to make the decisions, don't tell me what to do, and he powers up on them. And when the people heard this, verse 16, when all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king. Now this this is a little bit hard in our world to understand what it is they're saying, so I'm just going to read it to you. And then I'm going to give a little explanation on how harsh this would have been in that day. So they said to the king, what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. And so the Israelites went home. They went home. Now, again, this in 2021 is a little bit hard for us to understand, but this would have been very offensive, very offensive. Essentially, what these people are saying is they're saying, hey, guess what, Rehoboam, you're not going to listen to us? Guess what? Why don't you go build your own blankety-blank-blank blank cities? That's how harsh it is. Some of you are thinking, I can't believe he said blankety-blank just then. I didn't blank-blank. No, I did That's what they said. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It's harsh. Go build your own palaces. You want cities for your wives? Why don't you go build your own cities for your wives? Why don't you stop having more wives? I don't think they said that. That's not in there, but that's what I'm thinking. Go rule yourself. And then they basically dropped the mic and walked off. And Rehoboam, instead of learning from that lesson... He lets them go, and he says, I'll just go find someone else to do my work, to get all these conscripted labors, and I'll build even more than my dad did. Who cares about Jeroboam? I'll go find somebody else. So he finds this guy named Adoniram. Look at verse 18 and 19, and we're going to wrap it up right here. King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor. So now this guy's in charge of forced labor, not Rehoboam, but all of Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. And so Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So here's what happens. Here's what happens from this, from this point on. Sometimes when you're reading the Bible, maybe some of you have been in church for a little bit, you know that there was a split in the kingdom of God's people. This is where it happened. You have all these leaders and there's united kingdoms. And then right here, because one guy wouldn't follow, he was stubborn, he was prideful, he wouldn't follow this good advice, the kingdom gets split Ten tribes go up into the northern kingdom with Jeroboam. Remember Jeroboam, we talked about him. And just two tribes go down into the southern kingdom, that's Judah, with Rehoboam. And from there on, the kingdom is split up. Because one guy just wants to do what he wants to do. And so from this, thinking, marinating on it for our lives, they're inaugurating new leaders. We're in a world that's inaugurating leaders. We're all trying to be the kind of leaders and people God wants us to be. What are the lessons for us in our lives? Here's a couple, just two quick lessons. If you're taking notes, write these down. Think about these this week. Here's the first lesson. Doing only what you want to do won't get you to where you want to be. Doing only what you want to do won't get you to where you need to be. If you're not where you want to be financially, if you're not where you want to be relationally, if you're not where you think you should be in terms of how you view yourself professionally or physically, if you're not where you really want to be, my guess is this. This is going to be really deep, really, really, really deep, okay? There's probably some things you need to stop doing and some things you need to start doing. Deep, right? You're like, man, let me write that down. That was brilliant. It's just some things we need to stop, some things we need to start. Maybe as we enter into this new year, you need to make a stop-doing list and a start-doing list. The way we've been talking about this around my house for the last few weeks around Christmas time and the new year is we've been talking to my family of, in 2021, what things do I need to say hello to and what things do I need to say goodbye to? As the new year comes, you can talk about this with yourself, with your kids, with your grandkids. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. As the new year comes, what are some things I need to say hello to? What are some things I need to say goodbye to as the new year comes? And and these things are always so easy to see in other people in our family, right? I can see exactly what you need to do, okay? But they're so difficult to see in our own lives what we need to start, what we need to stop, what we need to say hello to and goodbye to. And this is why, by the way, at, at Parkview, You think, man, we're always talking about groups. Why are they always talking about groups? Get in a group. They just talked about groups. You're getting into this groups on relationships. Why are they always talking about groups? Here's why we're always talking about groups. It's because there are other people in these groups that you can do life with, and these people can give you perspective and wisdom on how to live. This is why we're always talking about groups at Parkview. They can help you discover what to start and and what to stop. You can bounce things off of them. But when you only do what you want to do, you won't get to where you want to be. And then here's the second thing. Here's the second lesson. We should pay close attention to the trusted advisors in our lives. We should pay close attention to these people who are these trusted advisors for us. Somebody can see what you can't see. It's just true. Somebody has perspective on your life, on your lifestyle. Somebody has perspectives on the way you parent and the way you treat your wife, the way you talk to your husband. Somebody has perspective on how you lead your company and how you interact with your employees. Somebody can see the things that you can't see. And typically, typically this isn't always, but often, typically this person isn't getting a paycheck from you, and they're a little bit older than you. Not always, but usually this person who has perspective into your life isn't getting a paycheck, and they're a little bit older. They have nothing to gain by telling you the truth, and they have nothing to lose by telling you the truth. They've been there, done that. They're just a little further out in front of you. And listen, listen, listen. When you find Parkview... When you find that type of person in your life, you need, I need to predecide to listen to them. Pastor Tim talked about this some last weekend, pre-deciding. The importance of deciding in advance what we're going to do. You need to pre-decide to listen to these people and not resist. And when you find this kind of person in your life, here's what you ask them. I'm going to make this just as clear as I can. When you find this person in your life who you really believe you can trust and learn from, here's what you ask them. Knowing what you know about me, what would you do if you were in my shoes? You're a little bit older than I am. You've been through some tough stuff. You've been through a year, the first year of marriage. You've been through 30 years of marriage. You survived your divorce. You got out of debt. Knowing what you know about me, what would you do if you were in my shoes? I'll tell you this. I personally have felt like for at least the last year or so that I've been wrestling with a lot of these things that we're talking about in First Kings today. I have felt for at least a year or more that I have a void in my life of people, a person who would just speak truth to me. Somebody who's not getting a paycheck, somebody who's not serving me, somebody who's a little bit older than me. And so over the last five or six weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I've just started kind of making a little list of people that I could reach out to and see if they would walk alongside me and help carry some of the weight that I'm carrying. And I made a short list of just three or four people. I didn't even know them all that well. And then just about three weeks ago, I sent, I crafted a text, and I sent it to one of these guys. And I was nervous. I was so nervous. It was like I was asking a girl out. I was like, yes. And I was kind of like, would, would, could you be this person for me? I need somebody to come alongside me and somebody to bounce stuff off of. And you've kind of been there. And, and, and it wasn't... 60 minutes later, I got a text back and said, man, I'd I'd love to figure that out. I'd love to do that with you. I'd love to be that for you. And just five or six days ago, we met up, took some chairs, spent three hours together, six feet apart, three hours together, and poured such wisdom into my life. I feel different. I feel better because of it. And here's what I believe. There are probably many of you who have somebody's name in your head or in your heart that you know you could reach out to. They're not getting a paycheck from you, nothing to gain or lose by telling you the truth. They're probably, not always, but they're probably a little bit older than you, and you could reach out to them. And you could just say, hey, knowing what you know about me, what would you do? And then you pre-decide to listen to their counsel and wisdom this year. That verse that we started with, I pray that you may be able to discern what is best. That's what we want to do. That's what this study right now has been about, putting things into place so that we can truly discern and live out what is best. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thanks so much for your goodness to us. Thank you so much, God, for your word that speaks just so clearly there's so many examples God of the way people have lived that are so similar to how we have lived and want to live and God the wisdom we can glean from their lives is incredible and so we thank you for your word the Bible that always speaks so clearly and directly into our lives God I pray that you would give these folks around all of our campuses this weekend I pray that you could give them the resolve and the guts and the determination to discern what is best pre-decide to live in that council. God, we love you. We love your goodness and your plans and your purposes for our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen.
0: Listen, you may be tuning in for the first time in a long time. And you may have decided for the first time in a long time to take a step toward God. And if you did, that is awesome. And we'd love to help you continue to grow. Just go to parkviewchurch.com slash next steps and fill out the short next steps form. That form just makes it easy for you to start a conversation with us. And one last thing before we sign off, we believe that living generously really is the best way to live. We don't give out of obligation or to earn some sort of heavenly crown. We give as an expression of gratitude for what God has given to us. And so if you already give to the mission of Parkview, thank you. But if you're ready to take that step and cheerfully give back to God a little bit of what he's given to you, go to parkviewchurch.com give to set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for being here today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord make himself known throughout this week and give you his peace. See you next time.